Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters, cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com Budgeting for a trip has always been a bit of an enigma. There's just so many variables to consider, and much of that is subjective. Will you camp, stay in hostels, rent a B&B? all changing the budget drastically. But as if to add to that mountain of pressure that we've always sort of had to deal with with figuring out a budget for travel, the world has gone crazy. Since COVID, prices have skyrocketed. Fuel, groceries, parts, accommodations, virtually everything has experienced, if not everything, has experienced a price increase, not to mention the supply chain issues. That makes travel more difficult, obviously. But on top of that, Because virtually no one was traveling through the COVID pandemic, at times no one was crossing borders, motorcycle shipping programs were shut down, both air and sea. Many of those shipping opportunities that were available before have just dried up. Basically, the market disappeared overnight for motorcycle travel like someone switched a light switch off. And while those people that were catering to the pre-pandemic motorcycle travel market were scrambling to figure out what they're going to do next to survive... They turn their focus to other things, other ways to make a living. So what we end up with now is a vastly different travel world. I mean, you could argue motorcycle travel has been morphing since Carl Stern's Clancy swung a leg over his Henderson in 1912. Like, imagine what that was like from 1912 to, say, 2015. Huge change. But that change was gradual. This is the biggest change in travel we've ever seen in such a short period of time. But it isn't all necessarily doom and gloom. In fact, it's during these times when when the people who are really on the ball and motivated, they dig in and discover new ways and even develop new ideas and habits to not only survive, but thrive in our new world. And what you end up with is a new, or at least different, paradigm for travel by motorcycle. Now, Mignus and Elspie Ulivier left South Africa in 2015 to travel by motorcycle. Two DR650s, full-time. Before they left, they built a passive income model for themselves to finance their travel costs as well as add to their savings. They remained on the road during the pandemic. They're still out there now. But COVID and the COVID aftershock has them rethinking and redesigning how they do things, particularly with their budget. Today, we're going to find out what they've done to keep things working, how they've changed the way they look at their budgets, and other things that they've had to adapt in our new motorcycle travel world. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manicom. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Payne. Bill Bradoon. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Gwen Jarvis. Quentin Smoke. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. If you ride a BMW motorcycle, you'll definitely want to look at the GS911. The GS911 is a diagnostic tool for BMW motorcycles that gives you an insight into what could have only been seen by the dealership before. 
Now you can check the health of your BMW. You can see the fault codes. You can do diagnostic work and you can reset your own service reminders if you do your own work. The great thing is you can carry this thing around in your pocket, connect it to your smartphone. It goes where you do. So that fear that everyone has of getting stuck with a dead modern motorcycle and having nowhere to look, that's gone. The GS911 is your special key to getting in, seeing what's wrong, and getting going again. Hexinnovate.com is the website. Hexinnovate.com. No matter what you ride now, no matter what maker model you ride, Hexinnovate has another product that should be everyone's go-to device when you're adding auxiliary lights or accessories. It's called the Easy Can. Easy C-A-N. Easy Can. This little device plugs into your motorcycle passively, meaning it won't mess anything up, yet allows you to connect all kinds of accessories to your motorcycle without adding a bunch of wires and a bunch of switches. And you know what that looks like when you're running a bunch of wires to your battery that just doesn't work. And most importantly, causing electrical problems. It's a plug and play system. It's available for Triumph, Husqvarna, Harley, Honda, BMW, KTM, and soon Ducati and Yamaha. This plug and play easy can system is so good that even the manufacturers like it. Hexinnovate.com is a website. Drop by, have a look. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Hexinnovate.com. If you are in or around the Pacific Northwest, or maybe will be, or for that matter, actually, you want an excuse for a trip, this is it. You will need to add this to your plans for July, July 7 to 9, to be exact. That is the PNW. Overland Expo and what an amazing job they have done with Overland Expo. This one is held at the Deschutes County Expo Center in Redmond, Oregon. A huge overlanding event that you will not want to miss. Get this, over 300 exhibitors, over 175 specialized classes. They've got motorcycle camping. They've just got so much. I'm going to give you a little bit more. Get outfitted, get trained, get inspired, get going to Overland Expo PNW is what they say for this July. Friday evening, they've got a a moto dinner. They've got a party and a raffle hosted by Eva Rupert. I think she's there the whole weekend heading up the motorcycle stuff. They've got a free moto riding intro experience for those who would like to try riding. So if if you're bringing somebody with you who hasn't, hasn't ridden, would like to give it a go, that's the time. Rally games for those that have rode their own bikes there. They've got an ADV skills area where you can learn everything from roadside repairs to tire changing. I mean, this is a jammed packed event. They have motorcycle demo days there, all three days. You can ride brand new Urals, Triumph, Yamaha, and Royal Enfields. That's very cool. Roundtable discussions. I mean, you can meet thousands of like-minded overlanders. There's so much going on here, it will make your head swirl. Oh, and by the way, they've got a, a weekend and day passes, but there's a specific moto weekend pass with camping. So if you, you, you want to go and take your bike and, man, make this a weekend, really. You've got to get your tickets in advance. You have to buy them online. So... Go to overlandexpo.com and get your space booked. July 7 to 9, Deschutes County Expo Center in Redmond, Oregon. The website is overlandexpo.com. Go there, book your tickets now. Make sure you mention you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Overlandexpo.com. Okay. Okay. I'm Elsie Olifir. And I am traveling with my hubby and we know him as Picky Picky Overland. My name is Michnas, my son is Olifir, and I'm just along <laughs> for the ride. Right.
Mickness and Elspie. Great to talk to you again. Thank, Thank you, you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Always nice Thanks for the invite. You. Where are you right now? We're in Buenos Aires, or Buenos Aires. I never know which one to say. A uh, beautiful city. We're loving it here. Um, I, I think this is about our fourth time we're visiting, uh, but an amazing city. You guys have been on the road for how long now in total? Well, we, we started traveling quite early or in, in 2010, but being permanently um, on the road, seeing our motorcycles as our home uh, from about 2015. 2015. Okay. So it's been yes. a long time. So and yes. during the pandemic, you guys stayed on the road? Yes, we, we got caught in, in Bolivia, um, unfortunately. And we, we, we oh, started out there, but, it, but in hindsight, it, it's like one of those experiences you, you it was it, now in hindsight, it's, it's okay, but I never want to have it again. Right. <laughs> it's like going camping. You yeah. loved it, but don't want to do it in a specific spot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you went home recently because you've got a business as well. You, you, let's talk about your business for a minute. So you've got a business called Turkana. Just, just tell, what is that all about? So, so. Just to quickly go back, in 2008, we started our own brand in South Africa for motorcycle luggage because all the other motorcycle luggage, the soft luggage that's from Europe and from America was a lot, was quite expensive to get into South Africa. And they didn't, there was a bit of um, limitations because the guys in South Africa, they, they're a rough bunch, so they, they tear up stuff. And we, we started making our own products and then eventually sold the business, but we started a new uh, uh, soft luggage company. Um, we manufacture the products in South Africa, Takana, and, and we partnered with two Dutch um, friends, uh, Peter Leone and uh, an American friend, uh, Pete. Um, so we, we make the soft luggage in South Africa. It is um, for reckless. You can put it over the motorcycle without racks, and then we've got the, the old uh, classic over-the-seat style soft luggage, and then now we've made plates for them so that you can quick release them. So we're growing it slowly. We man, we, man, we manufactured in South Africa because we we have um, been doing it for such a long time. It's easy to deal with the people there, and we can specific we can specify specifically what we what we want. Yeah. So um, so lu- luggage for travelers by travelers. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. So two thousand eight. You just to be clear, two thousand eight. You started a company. Then you sold that company that was making that was making luggage, and then you've started you you got out of it, I guess, for a little while, and then correct. Now you're yes. back into it with Turkana. And and Turkana yeah. is is kind of similar to what you were doing before, but it's a I, I guess a different approach. It, it is really cool, like you know, for travelers because you guys are literally on Thank the road you. right now, and you, yeah. you've got a brand out there. This Turkana luggage, it's it's, it's pretty neat. And how's it going? It's, well, going, it's keeping it's, us busy. It's keeping us quite busy. And <laughs> what what helped was when we when we started traveling around the world, meaning around not around the world, but around the world. And we saw the other markets and the places and what people use. That reinforced. The, the belief that we, we needed to, to start it again, but a little bit differently and make the products a little bit differently because the game is about the same. Yeah. But there is differences between regions and how people and use countries. this stuff and countries and what they actually want from products. Yeah, and we mm. learn every day. I yeah. mean, every new country we start to explore, there's always something new we learn. And as we say, we test as we go. So yeah. it, it keeps it interesting for it's us. A, it's, <laughs> a, it's a continued research laboratory on the road. <laughs> <laughs> But but you have other things too. Like it's interesting because you work on the road. Like you know, you said you've been traveling. Well, I guess full time since 2015. But it's sort of a yes. work on the road thing. You've got some real estate Correct. as well. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Now that is our base income that that we started 20 25 years ago. Yeah. Probably a little bit longer. Than, so that was our base 
to to grow it as a as a, um, a long term income. income, passive yeah. income, and that was our that was our, our base. It's still today that, our that's base. That's what opened the door that's for us to start traveling. Is that we had a bit of uh, we had passive income in South Africa that allowed us to start traveling. So we we've always tried to just maintain that as a baseline, and uh, yeah, other than that, we 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 keep ourselves busy with a, a couple of other projects. We're after Kana is becoming one of the major ones. <laughs> So you're not super rich then. That, that wasn't it. You didn't you didn't get millions of dollars. No, we wish. No. So you don't have a yacht. And you, you don't no, have a place we, in Paris. I'm still looking for a no. sugar daddy. We haven't got one. <laughs> oh, he's only temporary? I didn't realize that. I'm a trophy husband to vanity only. I think you're the only one that's ever said that about the trophy husband, Magnus. I've never heard that from anyone else. <laughs> oh, he lives in his own world, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> We're still trying to find an oil shape that's um, compassionate enough yeah. to right. just throw money at us. Yeah. And in the meanwhile, you just sort of work on the road. I, I, I get yeah, it. We, yeah. we still have to sponsor ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but it is one of the things that's becoming more common now. You know, when you guys started doing this and you have your passive, passive income work on the road, it seemed that few people were into that. Now, yeah. I guess especially since covid it seems that almost everybody who's getting on the road is looking for some way to try and, you know, make their, make money or at least make some money while they're on the road. I mean, I guess before the way would have been, you know, like you, you, you go to a country and you work, do some labor, but it was really sort of reduced money. I think you would get, you know, like maybe you're, you're picking fruit or something like that. Whereas now our opportunities are, you can actually set things up. It's so you endless. can yeah, you make a living. Yeah, you're correct. And I think we, I don't want to say this, but I think we've got almost COVID to thank thank for this because it opened people's mind. It opened companies to understand that it's have a worker outside of our office. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think the world has changed. When we started traveling, if you wanted to subsidize your income on the road, you would have traded a little bit of labor for staying somewhere, helping them out. You know, a work away was huge, yeah. uh, that little uh, application that you downloaded. But that subsequent has changed. There is now for everybody that's got a career. I even spoke to somebody the other day that's an architect, and he provides architects work while he's on the road. So he, in a sense, he's a, a document checker for an architect, but it just shows you that how much it has opened up. No, Wi-Fi has, has changed. Oh, yeah, that is, yeah. that is, Wi-Fi is actually the 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 changer of, of what happened because when we start traveling, you go into a country, buy a small little dongle, 126 meg, it costs you 16 euros. You send a few photos back home, and it's gone. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't. I mean, there was no 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 ways we could work. So the, so at that time when we when we had property, it was okay because the lady that managed it for us back home. I mean, we didn't need to communicate with her every day. Every day, yeah. Then when as as Wi-Fi became more um, available. Now you have how many people um, writing articles and um, yeah, but you also, checking stuff yeah. on, on 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 the road. So so it opened up. I think that is the the the, the more the, the biggest force in change for people. But I also think service providers realize that the world is running on Wi-Fi. So before we would used to look, say, for a little bit of a long stay, and it was quite difficult to find somebody that had Wi-Fi in the package. Now it's a, it's not even mentioned anymore because it's a given that if you're in a place that uh, cater for travelers, there will be Wi-Fi. Most uh, restaurants in, in Argentina, if you walk in, the uh, uh, password to the network is on their serviette holders or it's right. on the wall. So it, it definitely has e- made it easier for us to do. 
Well, Elspie, you said before you mentioned about how it's COVID has sort of changed things. It seemed like to me that the technology was there for us before COVID. It's that COVID f- made us sort of look at it and go, well, how can we make this work? And all of a sudden, everybody started to lean heavily on the technology. So, I mean, that Absolutely. along with what you're saying, the like I think Wi-Fi was becoming available and, and it wasn't really utilized until we were forced to do it. You know what Correct. I mean? Like it, all of a sudden now we're forced, we were, or then we were forced to look at Wi-Fi, re- working remotely, staying apart, all of that sort of stuff. And it's just oh, flipped it, everything on its head. Yes. People are very innovative if they have to. I mean, we've seen it in South Africa over COVID as well. Uh, our government had this bright idea that during co- uh, during lockdown, no alcohol and cigarettes were to be sold. Yeah, so very quickly, that's, that's, that's yeah, very, very quickly, everybody knew how to do a pineapple beer brew. So yeah, people are really innovative. <laughs> it's, it's, that's a, a really uh, unbelievable thing, though, if you think about it. I mean, obviously, you, you make people stay at home, you isolate people. People and then you tell them, by the way, you can't smoke or you can't drink. Then what are we going to do? If you want the full blown war, that is what you get. Yeah, right. Well, it's certain taught people skills. And I think wow. we saw the same in the last, I would say, six years that, that people realized, but hold on, I don't have to have the traditional thinking. You know, if I work, I need to go to office. No, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And also, I see a lot under uh, my the nieces and nephews that. All the careers that they're doing, they sort of, while they're studying, aware that they've got different ways to approach their career. Um, so, no, definitely a big swing in the world. Yeah, and I remember before COVID, I can remember talking about it on this show, about how you can make money on the road. And, there, and we had sort of lame suggestions, I think, in hindsight. You know, it was like, well, you could start yeah. a blog and, and maybe you might get an advertiser. Well, like that doesn't happen very often. You know, no, you can start something like that. But now, I mean, it's like anything. You can do almost anything. So, I mean, it's really, really changed things for traveling. Exactly. Exactly. And it's amazing to see how in different areas it develop. I mean, I follow a little bit the art scene because I think that's my... my, my back door knocking on me what I want to do going forward to explore a bit of the art side. And it's amazing to see that even in the art world, in the gallery world, how things has changed, how more accessible things are. And 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 then the other thing also, how accessible training is these days on, on, on the yeah. internet. You know, I can run a remote course uh, on, on any subject I can think of now, where in the past you would have had to find somebody or go to an institution to help you while you sitting sometime out in the country now it's just so accessible yeah yeah that's so true and when you say art are you talking about becoming an art collector or are you actually making i uh, just scribble yeah i just uh, myself i think I, i'm tired of the accounting side i need to be creative now right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's these these more opportunities opening so for example the the, the art scene if, if you just take photography for example you can you can put up a photography website and if you take good photos and you can get them printed in the US or in Europe and you can ship them to a client and you can sit anywhere in the world doing it. So why you are can, you not doing it, Mechnes? No. <laughs> There's a, but that, I don't know. That, I don't know if that's a good example, Mechnes, because the thing is with photography is everybody's doing it now. I mean, you've got obviously Instagram yeah, out no, there. No, sure. Everyone's putting yeah. up all these photos and, you know, even like rank amateurs that know nothing about photography, they're getting some lucky shots there. They're getting some great shots they're putting up. So I, yeah, I'm no, not, no. I think the value for photography has really dropped off. Yeah, yeah, no, no, sure. I'm, I was just making a, a, a um, an example of the fact that, that the technologies of the shipping and and if you if you take different it's easy um, to print these businesses days, yeah. together, 
you can you can do. I mean, if you if you're a good welder, for example, or a or a, a artisan, you can now work anywhere. You just have to be online to 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 put it out there to and promote, people, yourself. promote yourself and stuff. So yeah. you yeah. can travel and still do that. And the other thing is, I think maybe that people mustn't expect if you do travel that you're gonna get rich from that. And doing that, well, no. maybe okay, maybe one well, or two percent. You, you need something really lucky, lucky and, yeah. and you you eat a niche more a niche thing, and you can do that. But on average, you'll probably make money to to travel and maybe grow a business on the side and be able to support yourself. Eagle, that the lady with that's traveling, she's writing articles, but but it's a it's an ongoing business now for. Her. Mm-hmm. But she's also looking at other stuff. So there is different options out there. So everyone, everybody got to make their own or, yeah. or see what is their niche. That, that they can. Um, I think you learn to diversify, you know, to, to maybe yeah, have more than one a, a stream use, yeah. of income. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and it's quite interesting, um, Jim, the other day I was just looking on Airbnb. So they've got the Airbnb experiences and that you can promote, uh, say, for instance, you're in uh, uh, Buenos Aires and you are happy to be a, a private local tour guide. Um, and it's amazing to see how the locals has actually started listing stuff like come cook with me at home a traditional meal. And a lot of yeah. people prefer that one of one action. So. Again, just if you look through Airbnb experiences, it's amazing how innovative people has become. Uh, I wasn't aware they had that. So that's a separate thing yes. they have as opposed yes. to the rentals. They've got other things, I guess, Correct. that you can do in the area. Yeah. yeah. We even met a lady uh, uh, that rents, no rents, but uh, uh, use photographer, uh, 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 companion travel photographer when they in a city and basically what this person does is take your cell phone and take selfies of her for you or take photographs of you in the city so that you don't have to ask strangers to take a picture or don't understand the language right. so a lot of people that travel alone actually utilize this and i started asking but isn't that quite expensive and and the pricing differed from ten dollars to a hundred dollars uh, for an excursion so it made me wonder why why people are doing it and why are people utilizing it and going into it, I just realized again, there's a market. Even if you think in your comfort zone, there's not a market, go and have a look. You'll be surprised what is out there. Well, that's the great thing about the internet, isn't it? I, I remember reading a book a long time ago and it was something to do with the long tail of marketing. I think it might've been called that, but in any case, it was, it was about the fact that now that we have the internet and this is before COVID and this is before the internet got, got into what it is today. And it was that because you have this this long uh, reach on the internet, you can sell this obscure thing that you'd never survive on before. Like maybe you make a, I don't know, some sort of leather wrist watch, you know, and and you could yeah. never sell it before. You couldn't move enough of them. You couldn't, but nowadays, because you can search on the internet, people don't accept just the, the general things that are out there. They want to look on a lot of times for things that are specific to what they want. And I have yes. this vision. I want this leather watch. I'll find it on the internet and yeah. order it from this person who is, you know, half a world away. Yeah. Well, so Jim, Takana and ATG is a very, very good example of that. ATG, when we started in South Africa, it was before Facebook and it was, the internet was, was there and stuff. But I mean, you, you know, nothing of nothing at that stage. There was not a lot of information available. And even if you find something overseas, it's difficult to even find information about it. Mm-hmm. So we sold predominantly in South Africa and we, we eventually started to sell by word of mouth to people in the UK and to Australia. But it never, we never had the opportunity really. If I wanted to go big, I had to buy advertising space in magazines overseas. I had to fly there to right. see people. I had to, it's a very difficult thing to branch out from your local thing. Now, now with technology and where we are, I'm working to kind of on the road. But 
our reach has been it's been all over the world. So I'm reaching people that has never been able. To, yes, uh, the competition has also increased, but at least it gives me an opportunity that if a dealer, for example, says to me, "No, I don't want to stock your stuff," sure, no problem. I'm reaching the people in any case. So if they can't reach them for you, then I'll reach them through some other means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll also reach dealers that way. So we get a lot of. Um, a request now from dealers that we would have never in our life even yeah, known. That certainly makes it easier. That certainly makes it a lot easier to then do this kind of um, uh, business now. Well, when it comes to working on the road the way you guys are doing it now, and you mentioned that Wi-Fi is available everywhere, there's always security issues with Wi-Fi. How do you deal with that, or, or is it a problem? To be honest, um, Jim, we've never had, well, touch wood, haven't had any uh, huge problems. I think we just follow the basic rules, secure our passwords. We work uh, behind firewalls. Michnes is on Apple. I'm on Microsoft. So I do run Defender and all of that, the basic. And we're just aware. So certain sensitive programs we use, we won't use uh, public uh, Wi-Fi in a park or at a coffee shop. Those things will come back and do in a hotel or at the Airbnb. Uh, but generally, if you don't open scary emails or clickbaits, you can protect yourself reasonably well. Mm. Well, you have to be you have to be yeah, clever now. I mean, they translate. You get spammers. They 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 translate our language Afrikaans, and then they start chatting to you. And immediately, you think you're chatting to a to a local guy because the, yeah. the nuances are there. And some and you really have to 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 be on the ball to figure out, man, this <laughs> this guy is. He's sitting in India somewhere. It's a Nigerian. He's busy t- t- Google translating your stuff for you. you know? <laughs> but so, okay, so you're protecting yourself that way. The, the Wi-Fi, I guess, you're using at the hotels and at B&Bs, that's, that's universally trustworthy? Like, you found that? Yeah, because it's normal. Especially Airbnb people, they, they're normal folk. I mean, they, they're the guy that's renting out the house. He, he's got no, I assume, because it we never hope. happened to us, we hope that mm-hmm. they've got no, I mean, yeah, I don't think they've, they and they can get into. I mean, if we if they if we if we rent the Airbnb, we say, hey man, we, our yeah. detail was stolen from this Airbnb because of this. I mean, they, his business closed down because you're yeah. going to put yeah. it up on Airbnb. So I, I don't think they. I would. I, I put my faith in that. That they, I don't think that will be. And we never had issues of that. But, yeah. but, but apart like, from, yeah, yeah, we do the what do you call the double security thing? So yeah. if you log into your account, you need to put in a confirmation number. We use all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so just we use whatever, whatever means. And South African banks, luckily, are extremely strict on, on, on foreign transactions and stuff. So Elsby gets notified, like, literally immediately if, some, if anything oh, looks see. even remotely suspicious. Yeah. Right. That's, a, that's the one problem we do have is that they, if somebody, it happens once or twice, that, no, not maybe once or twice, yeah. that our, our bank cards was cloned when you pay fuel Something or whatever. Online, yeah. And then immediately our bank stopped the card. And I have a problem. We can't just phone them and say, hey, send us a new card. You have to physically collect it with them. So we've had to to, to make plans to, to get people, to get it for us. Yeah, yeah. that is the norm. Um, you the only, only the individual who the card is made out to can uh, get collection of it. Oh, uh, we recently had the problem and I said, it's just impossible. I cannot fly back to South Africa for the card. And after long emails and signing uh, away my life that I won't sue them if something happens to the card, eventually we did manage to get the card through a friend, but it was quite a process. <laughs> mm. So they didn't just put a stop on your card. They actually canceled your card because they thought it was fraud. Yeah. If you, any inclination, if you phone our fraud divisions and say, I've got a transaction that doesn't look like one of mine, 
the immediate question is uh, the only way for us to secure and to make sure insurance will cover you is to stop the cart. So you right. you basically either take the risk on yourself or you stop the cart. So. Mm. Especially if we enter a new country and let's say we use the card twice, then uh, I'll get a, a message uh, through my cell phone that says, these are recent transactions picked up. Uh, uh, reply with uh, Y for yes or in with no if it's your transaction. So then it's an immediate clearance. Mm. Uh, so that uh, sort of helps that they don't stop it. But if you don't reply on that SMS, then they will put a hold on your card just for you to phone in and say, yes, I confirm I am in this country. Uh, but we've also got this thing that you, if you travel, uh, you can put a travel notice on your card for at least six months. So every six months, I just phone in and say, I'm out of the country. I'm going to be traveling in these countries. So then they don't stop the card if there's a weird transaction immediately. Mm, right. So so Wi-Fi is obviously not a problem. You're going to places that you consider to be safe, which is the B&Bs in, in particular. I, I can see yeah. the B&Bs for sure. But even the hotels, you know, they yes, don't they don't yeah. want that uh, that getting out that you've no. lost your information at that point. Correct. So um, how about time-wise? So, and are you spending a lot more time at B&Bs and hotels than you would have otherwise camping? Like, is it costing you more money for that? Um, Jim, that's a, a, a long answer that I have to, to give you because it depends really on which country we're in. Um, for instance, uh, Argentina, yes, they are, a, they've got a camping culture, but for us working on the road, it's not always practical to find a campsite where we can have some quietness if we need to do some, uh, meetings over the internet, etc. So yes, we would normally, and, and this is going to come back to, uh, the question of how do you, how do you afford long-term travel is that we start, we started now rather looking at longer stays at a time. Because as soon as you stay longer than a week in a Airbnb or even through some of uh, apps like Booking.com, your rate per evening comes a lot down. So in the end, it almost compensates for you instead of sitting in a campsite having to go all the night and find uh, quiet places to do business. You actually get a comfortable environment at a reasonable price for that period. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's a little bit of more more uh, planning than what we used to do in the past, uh, but it's not uncomfortable. And if you're clever enough or you, you, you search a little bit and spend a bit of time looking, depending on the country you're in, what is the application or the platform that the locals are using? Uh, for instance, you will find in bookings.com in certain areas here in Argentina, especially in Patagonia, you're wasting your time. It's an end actually just better to go straight into Google, look for a place and contact them through their WhatsApp or through the internet or through the email. So learn, we, we learn where to manage and then we try and look, we do a combination. If we actually, the last couple of years said, because we slow travelers, very rarely will we just stay one night in a place. One, you, if you go fast, it costs you more. Logic things like you use more petrol, you've got more maintenance. And, and, and because we've got time, we can go slow. Mm -hmm. And for the big reason, it gives you time to slow down, to get to know the area, to get to know the people, and for us to get some work done. Yeah, yeah. But, no. not, but we still, we still, the camping happens. The, yeah, the, yeah, wherever, the, we, are, wherever we, we are. But we, it also depends if we're in Patagonia. Then you have to make a bit of a run because it's 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 going to be season, or you have to do then. Then we leave all the work. Um, we'll we'll only work when we get to a place again. But for the rest, we've we've sort of managed it now. What stuff is important, what not, and when we need to be 
available to to do stuff for a week, for example, and, and stuff. Yeah, like we that. plan so, a little bit more than yeah. in the past. But you have to because it costs more. Camping takes a lot of time, you know, to get set up and like, as you mentioned, yes. you know, even just making your food, all that stuff is more inconvenient when we camp, which is, I mean, it's part of the great thing of camping. I love camping, but oh, yeah. I've worked on the road as well. And, and I know what it's like to sort of have that piled on top of all the work that you have to do. And it's, it makes things a lot more difficult. Yeah, you don't want to. I mean, when I'm sitting at the campsite, I like to sit in the campsite. I don't want to yeah. take we the like, laptop out. And yeah, we love start. camping as well. But yeah. for us, camping camping is a treat. So we will do it when there's not a rush on something that we must do work wise, so that we can actually enjoy it. Not to worry. Oh, I have to send ten emails. No, we just sit at the campsite and enjoy where we are. And and for that reason as well, when we do camp, we look for the special camping places. Um, we won't. We will very rarely in a city go. Look for a campsite uh, because it, it, it's rare that you will get a nice campsite where you can actually just sit and enjoy the environment. Uh, well, mm-hmm. depending on where you are. Yeah. Now, you guys recently have, have um, noticed, <laughs> certainly like like everyone has, a difference in cost of things. Can you talk oh, a bit yes. about that? It, uh, it yeah. definitely, I don't know, I'm, I'm not an economist. I don't know what happened after COVID and why, but I think probably because of the global the global money supply that everything sort of get, is interlinked. Now a country is not an island anymore. So every country is, is dependent on other countries and their currencies and stuff. And and they definitely a price increase did happen and slowly and, and, and I don't know why how it happened, but things got more expensive. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Um, but some things got more expensive than other other things over time. And some countries differ to other but Overall, the cost, it seemed that, that it did increase. Exponential. I mean, especially if we, let's start with the basic thing of uh, shipping of motorcycles or cars or, or, or even flying yourself. I think all of us have seen that COVID and now being as, uh, if, if you want to be, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, assuming things or, or gossiping or I'm not sure what the word is, you would say, oh, yeah, the companies took a chance after COVID and everything just they pushed up flights and never brought the price down. So be it. But the fact is it became a lot more expensive in the last couple of years to ship motorcycles and to fly yourself and even looking at container prices. Definitely a, a big difference. Now, Michnes has just done a big exercise for us to fly the motorcycles from, well, fly or ship or Roro the motorcycles from Buenos Aires to back to the United States. And we were quite shocked. I think Imechnes also did an exercise for a guy or busy getting, because uh, uh, even from here, uh, we were shocked with the price, but then somebody else contacted Mechnes with a price from Colombia uh, to... Colombia to UK and Colombia to EU is three and a half thousand dollars per motorcycle. Wow. What was it before? Oh, I don't know. Probably about two grand or maybe maximum less. two. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. So uh, you, uh, Buenos Aires to um, to Texas is two grand per, per bike. Um, and the problem with with cargo uh, um, shipping is that you can't pinpoint exactly it's going to cost me six thousand five hundred and fifty five dollars. No, 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 sir. You suddenly get there and then it's this and it's that and it's that and eventually. You, you, you end up at, um, at, at a lot more than that. The one company uh, uh, quoted us for me, for the two bikes and two cars in a 40 foot container, $10,000 from Uruguay to, yes, $10,000. Wow. It's, I, that is stupid money. 
Yeah. That's too so so people are we're definitely gonna start. I have to think how we how we ship and, and so rather is it maybe not better to 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 go buy a motorcycle in Colombia, ride the thing, sell it again in South America, or the same maybe for Europe. Um the the and the, the other thing is now that if you take motorcycle a, a big motorcycle, a BMW what is it now, twenty five, thirty, thirty five thousand dollars. You take it out of the country, there's no insurance on that motorcycle. You're still going to ship it here. You're going to ship it back. That's a very expensive exercise. Now, and surely, risky one. And a risky one. Risky, so surely, yeah, there, yeah there, is, there is people in America, and, and, and I'm talking first, first world country um, um, folk, because they, they, they because of their currency, they are in a better position than any other, body, any other country traveling. That doesn't mind that kind of cost. But I think for the average traveler or people that wants to travel, and make it uh, 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 a memorable experience. That's an incredible lot of money too. Two of our friends flew from South Africa just now, this this December, flew from South Africa to Ushaya. We met them there, rented the car with them, then we used the two motorcycles, and we drove up all the way to Portamont, where, where they gave the car back. That was that exercise in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, just over was, three weeks. Just over three weeks was... Twenty thousand um, dollars. Yeah, just over twenty thousand. That cost them that that exercise. That Is cost. that right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's it's incredible. And we did it cheap, Jim. Jim. Yeah. We stayed as cheap as we can. We rented Airbnbs, we shared, shared Airbnbs, all that kind of stuff. We camped with them the whole shebang. I think it comes back that you have to plan a little bit more these days, and you have to maybe consider other ways of traveling. You know, is it really, as Mechna says, worth your while to ship your motorbike that looks like, like that you kitted out to the country? Or is it more practical to just buy a motorcycle? If it's a short trip, maybe just rent a motorcycle. Again, it will depend from or, or change from country to country. Or even do you do the exercise like we've done where you actually have your motorcycle in a country, but you, you store it here, keep coming back so that you can have continuous travel. So in a question, so for me and Mechnes, this is the first time in six years that we actually have to physically pay to have the motorcycles moved. Uh, then it becomes more uh, affordable. affordable. But if you have to, every time you do a trip, ship your motorbike, it might become very expensive. Um, no, motorcycle tires in, in, in Mexico, uh, in, in, in um, Argentina now, is $400 for a rear tire, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. Just say $400, what, American dollars? $400 yes. American dollars. And that, oh. is, and that is for a 130, 140, 150 up. If you go to a 170 size, the big new, uh, then it's going up from there. So this is for the, that's the cheaper tire, really, what you're talking about. You're, you're on the smaller <laughs> yeah. sizes because you're on the DR650s. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So the DR six fifties we now paid. Well, we actually went over to Chile because uh, uh, four years ago everybody would say never buy in Chile, only buy in Argentina. It's actually changed now. Yeah. So a little bit more homework uh, these days on 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 things. Yeah, so if you if you travel with a big bike, your your cost now to service it to run it in these countries are exponentially higher yeah. than what it was. Uh, uh, previously, so it is incumbent that you that you look for motorcycles that that's low on maintenance, um, easier to maintain, maybe stuff that you can maintain yourself, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, but you were always paying a pre- premium to ride a, a bigger motorcycle, but now the gap is 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 widening, is what you're saying. Yes, that yeah. that 
So I just wanted to ask about dealing with the shipping companies, for instance, do you find that there's less flexibility with the shipping companies as well? Like they're, they're raising the prices and also sort of not willing to bend and, and be flexible with you? Heidi and David Winters are riders just like you and I. Matter of fact, they've ridden around the world two up on a KTM. And during that ride, David broke his wrist. While healing his wrist, he still had to ride because he was the driver. Heidi wasn't uh, into riding the bike with him on the back. And the idea of, of holding that throttle position, well, it was a killer. So he decided he would use a throttle lock. But every throttle lock he tried, he couldn't get anything to work for him. He got so frustrated that when he got home, he set out to make the perfect throttle lock for his bike. Well, he must have got a little obsessed, to say the least, with this project because he ended up with the perfect throttle lock. I mean, this thing is so well designed that others wanted it too. And well, the rest is history. All of us benefit from David's broken wrist. Sorry, David, but I like the fact you broke your wrist on the road because you came out with the throttle lock. The Atlas Throttle Lock is not only a thing of beauty and craftsmanship, but it functions like it was meant to be on your bike. It's truly beautiful. Two buttons, one for engage, one for disengage, and the tactile feedback you get from these is balanced perfectly so that you know exactly what you're doing. It's easy to adjust your throttle once it's set. You can add more or less, you know, twist it or, or, or twist it back without disengaging. That's really important because it makes the whole thing just so simple. You twist to the new position and it holds it there. The Atlas Throttle Lock will change the way you ride. This is a truly impressive device. AtlasThrottleLock.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. AtlasThrottleLock.com. You know, it's a really simple process. In most cases, changing your foot pegs out for good ones. And when you replace those with IMS products foot pegs, the difference is shocking. Seriously, if you haven't ridden on IMS foot pegs before, you will be pleasantly surprised, if not blown away, by how a set of quality, well-engineered, well-manufactured foot pegs from IMS will give you more control and comfort on your next ride. When I first installed mine, I couldn't get over the difference. The amount of control it gave me during slow-speed maneuvers, it took my skills up a notch, and then comfort on the road. If I were to buy a new bike today, I would definitely change the foot pegs out for IMS products foot pegs immediately. It's one of the first and few modifications that I would do to the bike. IMS products has a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs, all made from quality cast certified stainless steel, all warranted for life, all made in the USA, right from their large ADV1 and ADV2 onto their core enduro pegs. They've got a size and design to match every rider's style. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, imsproducts.com. So I just wanted to ask about dealing with the shipping companies, for instance. Do you find that there's less flexibility with the shipping companies as well? Like they're, they're raising the prices and also sort of not willing to bend and, and be flexible with you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and, and I mean, I, I, I do it as, as nicely as I can. So now, for example, if you ship a motorcycle in the past, and sometimes you can still do it. You, you, you ship a motorcycle and you can pack it so you, you have weight and volumetric weight. And then you can you get quoted on that. Now, they like, it's uh, two meters wide, one and a half meters uh, with uh, no more than 400 kilograms. Boof, there you go. 
but my motorcycle, I can put two motorcycles on the same thing for that month. Yeah, we don't do it like that. Oh, I, I have to start to argue with them. So there is definitely, and I think also what happened now after COVID is that a lot of people are not, we don't see as many um, long-term or, or big overland people anymore. Really, it is. it sort of, is it right? feels to me. Yeah, it feels yeah, to me absolutely. like it died down. I think people are traveling home, more home and around their own countries and if they have neighboring countries, I, I, I think I'm, I'm speculating, thumb sucking by, by what we see, what we experience, that it feels to me like the, the big overland crowd, the, the, um, has, has sort of died down. Well, just a, looking a at bit. Patagonia from the, when were we here in 2018 and, uh, this year, just the difference being is a lot of the bigger motorcycles or the, uh, as we call it, the quick travelers down to Ushaya and back, majority were Brazilians, Chileans, and a few Argentinians. We would now and again see a foreign number plate or, or meet somebody that's on a rented motorcycle. Where the previous time we were here, we met so many travelers from other countries, not just South American countries. In a way, that's kind of good, isn't it? I mean, as far as the traveler goes right now, you know, you have a, yes. a little bit more of a, I don't know, authentic experience, I guess. Yeah, it, yeah, it's got its benefits. But but it also it, it, if there's not a lot of people um, um, kindling the, the 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 shipping guys and the and the people you stay that that market sort of closed down. So in Africa now, in the past, if you run from from Cape Town to to Egypt on that route, the East Coast route, um, Egypt was always the the big problem because they had a two hundred percent car night that you had to pay for your motorcycle and you mm-hmm. get it back afterwards and stuff. Now, Ethiopia has decided, uh, for some reason, some obscure dead reason, they want a 600% Kanae value of your motorcycle. You go in, you pay the money, you pay them that deposit, you pay them. You pay stuff, them, not even a third party. Yeah, and then when you go out, they will, re- they will refund you that money. Now, there is no way I'll do that. Maybe Mexico, because that's what they do, but they've always paid money back. Your $400 you pay for your uh, for your motorcycle, they pay it back. But like that's a fraction as to yeah. the same now, Ethiopia has basically killed that entire route. They've just decimated it now. Right. So people are probably going to do South Africa, do a loop all, all the way up to like, um, Kenya, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, and then go back down. But they've basically killed all that. There was in Ethiopia, there was overland places, uh, a lot of tourism places like the the uh, rock churches, a lot of tourists went there, a lot of overlanders went there. That was a big part of their business, but it's gone now. It's it's done. It's over. It's a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller now. There's very few people is going to pay that money for for their vehicles to go into Ethiopia. Well, we'll imagine a twenty five thousand dollar bike at um, six. I mean, you're talking one hundred and fifty grand. <laughs> it's crazy. No, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Stupid. Yeah. It, it, it's like, what do you want tourism or don't you want tourism? And, and nobody knows why they do it. Um, but Sudan now is a big problem because of the the, the war there. So that that route in any case now is is not going to happen. Yeah. So you've got to fly over now. You've got to fly over, yeah. Yeah. Which oh, adds. So they, yeah, which adds cost. Now um, uh, a few travelers now are, are starting to open a route for shipping with container from from Nairobi to um, Saudi Arabia. Or, or to one of the, the Asian countries. But that, again, depends on how many bikers you can get. I think you need to have about to 10 bikers cost, yeah. to share the container to make it worthwhile to get the price of a thousand something dollars per bike. Mm-hmm. But even flying prices, I mean, you just to fly to places now, it's expensive. So if you fly once, 
once somewhere, it's a round trip that you, it's just, it, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's not $500 anymore. It is, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And you have to book way in advance now. We, mm. in the, in the past, you sort of could still uh, a month before the time book and get the same rate. That, that has changed a bit. What, what are the things that you're finding going up? I mean, it, like, I think we're all experiencing this, you know, to, to some degree. We're finding prices are going up. We're, we're certainly feeling it here with food um, going through the roof. But what about uh, accommodations and things like that? Oh, definitely. Going, I know, everything. Definitely it, up, yeah. That doesn't make sense, though, because you just finished saying that, that they, you're not seeing as many travelers, or at least international yes. travelers, yet the prices are going up for accommodations. You'd think it would be the other way around. No, but the, all these people, all the accommodation, the, the travelers are not the another major contributor to uh, uh, Airbnb's. Like in Argentina, 80%, 90% of people are local people using Airbnb's. The oh, 10 or 5% is travelers. Um, they have absolutely no bearing on, on what's happening in the in the country. So there are, like in a city, there will be uh, a few hotels or, or, or hostels or Airbnb's that, that's more catering for uh, overseas people because they, they uh, um, refer them. But the majority of places is for local or for neighboring country. So so that pricing has gone has gone up for them as well. But also again because of outside influence into the countries. The stuff that gets imported uh, get gets um gets bumped. Fuel prices get bumped because they they import fuel prices. Yeah, so a, everything slowly creeps up. Yeah, there's a knock on effect on everything. If if oil prices go up, just wait a little bit, you're gonna see it in your in your food bill because that you get the full the food to the points, sure. all the normal economic uh, things. But we, we actually made a point of trying to understand what has happened in, in Patagonia, for instance, just because we were there before. And in, in some of the little towns or, uh, or some of the areas, we were shocked at how expensive it became. So we would ask some of the local folks, like, you know, ask somebody that's traveling from Buenos Aires to, to uh, Patagonia and say, what do you think about the prices and what's happening? And 80% of them went like, it is crazy. And it's like it's almost after COVID that it's become a normal thing for Argentinians to price their accommodation in relation to prices in the USA. Although they're in Argentina, they want the same price that what you would pay for a for a, a hotel in Miami. Mm. Um, and even they were complaining that as locals, it's become so expensive for them to travel that their trips are a lot shorter or they have to plan so much more. So it's definitely we definitely saw it on all levels: food, accommodation. In, uh, in 2015, in when we when we started in America, we could every now and then stay in a in a in a two three star motel. You know the, those real <laughs> the motels right. for about for about thirty fifty ish dollars, yeah. and you get the little plastic thing in the morning with a bit of cereal. No problem. That I that I, well no, now, now it's eighty five now it's eighty five dollars you know and, and so in in Patagonia in uh, in what's this what's this uh, Rio Tranquilo with a marble casa I mean that's that little town is a is a is a they, they, that's they, an they example a, of tourism of, gone of wrong say that yeah, again they, say what is the town uh, uh, Rio Tranquilo mm-hmm. it's a it is where the it's where the marble goes up in in Patagonia on the Chilean side. But that that is where they pull tourists over a barrel, and not not tourists meaning overseas people. Everybody, everybody, the locals as well. You'll pay the eighty dollars for a room that's about four meters by four meters, a cold showerette. You bring your own toilet paper, and the bed is old. 
that's how bad it got there now. Mm. But I think camping there is now the mm. price of what we pay in Buenos Aires for a room. But the, the, the international mm. tourist thing before that had an impact because people would go there and then they would ask, oh, so what are you pay in America, blah, 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 60 or $80. Okay, suddenly the price is $68. And then there's not enough space and the price goes to $90. And then what do you pay for beer in your country? Oh, oh you know, it's very expensive, $5 beer. Oh, well, the price is $5 a beer. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of it. It's not not everything, but... Right, but but, but most of this has happened, like, with with, since COVID. And and I don't know if anyone can really put their finger on it. I think so. What's changed, but it's happening everywhere. Clearly, you are in South America right now, and you are experiencing the same thing that we are in North America. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, but we we saw it a little bit when we were back in South Africa now, uh, because... Uh, obviously, we we don't have a home in South Africa, so we we sort of travelers there as well, and we we found the same thing there as well. Generally, from the restaurant bill up to just or just to paying for accommodation, definite increases. No, you don't pay, and you don't feel it. Or, or sometimes you don't feel it. It's like you paid, let's say, two dollars for a, 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 a americano with a little bit of milk at a at a, at a, a restaurant or a cafe. Now it's two dollars seventy, you know. So the, the mm-hmm. things just creep up a little bit. But by the time you said the end of the month, you, you tally up all the bonus. Like what the hell? Yeah. You know, yeah how do we spend so much money? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to ask you. So, what, what was your like? I mean, I, I don't know if you get working on a daily budget, but what was your budget before, and what is it now? Well, roughly we've increased. So, so I normally just put a budget there for us, depending on the country as well. Like if we go to the USA, I have to pull out all the big budgets and try because <laughs> just the general living cost there no, is so yes. much more, yeah. more expensive. And we, we always try and keep within our, let's call it our income budget, but it's not always uh, uh, possible. So I would say from when we started traveling until where we now, I have increased our budget with almost 50%. So over the last 10 years, so where we could previously get around with between, depending on country, 40 to $60, that has now increased if we're lucky $60 and above. So in general, you're talking, I would say about between uh, 80 and uh, $150, depending on the country you're in, it's definitely uh, much more. And and then I'm not talking, you know, we don't do luxury travel. We plan a lot more than we were a lot more free in the past without traveling. We will just go out the gate and say, oh, where are we going? Okay, we're going north. Or These days we actually have to plan a little bit more, look at a little bit more long stays than what we would do in the past. In the past, maybe we'll do once a month, a long stay so that we can get some work done. We actually stretch those long stays a little bit more to bring the cost of of the accommodation down. No, so you're yeah, really so, having to work yeah. to try and get yeah. the, to keep yeah, it fitting within account. your budget. Yeah, and then, and that's, that's that's excluding the, the the price for medical insurance. Yeah, that up. is crazy. That's just that's just ludicrous. Yeah. And you cannot go without medical. And if especially you, if you get seriously hurt, yeah. You're going to get seriously hurt in other ways as well. (laughs) Most definitely. So you're you're always always getting your medical insurance and you're going to get from home, I'm assuming, South Africa. No, actually we can't. Uh, So German with South Africa, you only allow to utilize South African medical aid schemes for up until 90 days outside of the country. So obviously we longer than three months out of the country. So we actually make use of... uh, uh, overseas insurance company, uh, company to underwrite us. 
so it's a relation to what our rent and the dollar is. It, it gets quite expensive for us. Mm, right. What are the, what are the sort of things you're noticing in, or is it just everything? No, I think in general, it's just everything. Um, uh, even food costs and restaurants, uh, especially Mechner's loves a coffee and a, and a good beer. So he would seek out all the nice little coffee shops and in the, uh, maybe a, a craft beer place. And even with those, we've seen uh, uh, quite an increase uh, on the, on the budget. And we, we tend to eat a, a lot less out. We cook a little bit more. Um, we actually, a good thing, a side thing of this is that we talk to locals even more than in the past. So Mechanas utilize a lot social media. Hi guys, I'm, you know, in Buenos Aires, where can I have uh, something done or something do where it's not crazy tourist prices? So yeah, a bit more communication and planning. With your income, because because you're working off passive income, you've set up this way so you can travel like we talked about. Uh, are are you able to still you know keep your head above the water sort of thing or or, or things going to have to change for you? I think Jim had woke us up a little bit that we can never um, not be aware. So our aim uh, hasn't changed. It it just intensified that we need to make sure that we grow our passive income, that we take care of the passive passive income we've got. I mean, being a, a, a working traveler, you, you have got the normal uh, economy things you have to look after, but you also have got a cost to running your business for the fact that you're not at the place where and your business is. So, you know, the opportunity cost of not being close to your own properties, having to rely on somebody to go fix a, a, a door for you at $20 where you could have done it for $2, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. So we, we're very aware of that. So for us, it's it's been a bit of a, a wake-up, not a wake-up call, but an a, a exclamation, mindful. be mindful yeah. that you, you have to take care of your passive income and also build passive income in more than one area. Uh, you know, at some stage, maybe the, the rental incomes that we're getting might fall flat, but then we have got income from the bag company. Let's say uh, the economies get so bad in countries that people is really not spending money. Well, m- maybe then the rentals are supporting you. Uh, so for us, yes, we, we had to improvise. We have to be careful. Um, yeah, and we're making plans as we go. Well, we, we, can, we won't, uh, hopefully we don't have to, to go to get to a place where we don't, where we have to say, well, oh, oh goodness, we have to go back home, get a place, you know, yeah. traveling is out. Um, yes, I don't know, maybe you have to, and, and this is the other thing, maybe we'll have to relook at it because, and and yes, the other thing, we, we, we're shipping the bikes back to Texas, we might have to do it a little bit differently. South America was also a bit unusual because when you go back home and when you ship stuff, it's it's far flying. You know, it, it, it's a lot of cost getting backwards and forwards. Maybe if we travel, Europe, it's a bit different. Or if you travel America to Alaska, it's a little bit different or stuff like that. I also think that is why many people now rather travel in their country again and neighboring countries because they can do it for a month or two or three, go back home, work, um, do whatever the thing is, stay home, uh, live a little bit longer. And if there's no grat- instant gratification going on there, they can probably save a little bit more and then do another two, three months later again. Which, if it really gets bad, we'll probably also have to rethink that decision to to do it, let's say, six months out of the year or five months out of the year and then rather try and save up longer stints before we uh, uh, continue to, to do it. Mm-hmm. So it just it just depends how the world will change. But it's, it's, it feels like the world is, is running now at a million miles an hour. It's AI, it's, it's AI and everything just get, get, gets... Um, 
You have to keep you apples. You have to keep apples. Apple. <laughs> no, if, if you miss one day, you're like seven days behind the rest of the world. <laughs> it's like you're out front in front of the train running like crazy. It's just gaining on you. You can't yeah. afford to, to miss a yeah. step. <laughs> yeah. That, that's why I'm so, um, I look at the, the, all the influencers and the people driving the YouTube channels and stuff. And I think to myself, I'm, I'm getting tired watching them because they, they, for some, and I think it's only about 2% of the pop, of the world population actually make sort of money from this whole gig. But the, in, the amount of content that they have to generate to tiring. keep that uh, uh, train running stoked. Respect. Yeah. Respect for them. I, there's just no way I'm going to, no, I'll rather dig holes for a living. <laughs> it's, so do you think it's, that's with everything? I mean, because you even mentioned, you said about when making products, you just sort of threw in there, you said, yes, there's more competition. Do you think that the competition is making it so like, I mean, like for all all things that we might do on the road to try and make money while we're on the road, do you think the competition competition makes it so that you have to work much harder? We like competition, yeah. uh, Jim, for the simple reason that one, it gives you something to compare your product with. It actually gives you something to strive for if you're not not the best. So we we like it, but yes, you have to keep on top of the game. There is there is the the, the bit of um, leeway that you get is that not all brands are the same, and they and how they how they drive their brands are not the same. So there are brands that that's very good, but they they, they drive in the in the in the uh, in the market is not that good. So if you do a little bit more, you'll do better than that. Um, but yes, the, the, it, it, it gives us the, the, um, what, what is the right word? The, the oomph to, to like, we keep on going, on keep on going, stay on top mm-hmm. of it, do your own work. Yeah. But I can, I can do that. I can live with that. That for me is fine. But the, the driving of this content, like social media influence is good Lord. I, yeah, no, way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no way. That, well, that's but, a, but also it can be fun. It, it yeah. depends on how you do it. If, if it, it doesn't matter what you do in life, if, if it's going to yeah. be a, a, a bad yeah. task for you, just stop. But if you have fun out of it, it's, yeah. it, it's not a job anymore. Yeah. It's actually fun. Yeah. Hey, so when you just back to the budget thing for a second, Elsby, you were saying about you you having to do the budget for each country. How do you set a budget now, and in particular now when the when the prices seem raised, if not somewhat volatile? How how do you sit down and make a budget? Like, are you checking the average price of food and accommodation? Or is that much work going into it? Jim, yes and no. So one, I'm not a, my, a micro macro planner. I don't go into full details, two days here, one day there, we've only got $2 for this and $3. So no, that I don't do because I think it sort of takes the fun out of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do do general lookups before we enter a country or if we've just entered a country. So if we just land in, in a country, I at least book four or five nights in the first place. So that one, we can explore, we can uh, uh, speak a little bit to the locals, try and find out what is the be- best apps to use um, for information on, on travel sites, on places to stay. Do they use bookings.com? Do they use Vibro? Do they use uh, Airbnb uh, to get around the finances? What is the best? Do you draw cash at the ATM or do you go and get cash via Western Union? Um, so a little bit of homework when you land because it's not necessarily things that you can Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, because things in every country changes and like here it's predominantly Spanish and if you Google in English, the lingo is not normally picking or always picking up what the Spanish is, is talking about. So yes, generally a little bit of bolt stroke homework and then as I start to get a feel at 
what the cost of accommodation is will start now. So to me, it's okay, I see uh, accommodation here is quite expensive. So what we're going to do is do more longer stays, uh, you know, and if we find a good camping spot, we will stay a couple of uh, days longer to save some money. Uh, looking at uh, restaurants, we'll go out. We normally laugh that uh, we have to get burnt with the first restaurant experience. So we pick the nice restaurant, go in, pay the bill, go cry at home, and then we do the planning from there. So, <laughs> so then we'll say, okay, in this country, we're going to cook a little bit more for ourselves. We're going to have one coffee less a day. Uh, we're going to have a nice beer uh, on, the, on the balcony, if there is a balcony, instead of having two in the pub. Um, yeah, so that's how we do it. Uh, we try to adopt to what the country is. And then the best thing is, Michnes is very good uh, with talking to people. So Michnes will start asking the locals, you know, so where do you go? Where do you get your beer that's a dollar and not $4? Uh, you know, and, and where do you go? Where's that hot spring that you you hiding away? Because we ain't going to pay $90 for a hot spring use for two hours. Uh, you, you no, know, no, so, these, are these new skills? Like, are, are you using this because the prices have went up so much? Is, or is this just sort of more of what you've always done? No, we've always, we've always done, done it. We've just owned it more. Yeah, yeah. We're just now using it a lot more. Now it's, you know? now it's more important. I guess before it was sort of opportunistic. If something came, but great. Exactly. But but now it's more of a necessity. You've got to find a cheaper. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cheaper and, and I mean, the past, if you're an Ari, oh, let's just take the toll road. Now we're like, no, nope, nope. we've got time. We don't take the toll road, and we'll probably see something more scenic anyway. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many days a week do you work oh, while you're on the road? Oh, you know, it feels like every day, but uh, I suppose we, uh, it's, it's different for us because when we wake up, South Africa has already been going for five hours. So from waking up until about 12 o'clock uh, in the day for us is, is dealing with manufacturing for Turkana, dealing with business, business back home. Um, and then we, we would, we, we don't make slaves of ourselves because it can, be very quick that you default back to just being, uh, let's say, an office worker. Yeah. So we will make sure we take a break. Um, and the mornings that we don't, we, we want to actually go to a museum that morning. We make sure our people back home knows that we won't be available. Whatever you need to discuss today is on WhatsApp or on, on email. Um, and then because of the time difference for us to actually get the, the, the things done that we need to do, Evenings is quite nice and quiet unless we go out for a, a night on town. We do put in a couple of hours again. But the magic of our lifestyle is that that we have flexible hours. It's actually not a. It's a. It's a very. We we found it now over time. So we don't have to be if we don't if you're not online and people can't reach us. They can't reach us. So they they can. They, Catherine and, and the people working with us know that if they make the, if they have to make decisions, they can go on with it. They don't have to. We don't have to be there. So. I mean, when you're in nice places like in, in Patagonia where there's no reception and, and we're camping and stuff, we're not going to... Yeah, we um, could be for, offline for a week. For I a week, think. yeah. We don't have SIM cards. We don't buy SIM cards. Yeah. Um, if we have Wi-Fi, and, the, and when we do have Wi-Fi in the morning, like as we said, because they're online already, we, we wake up at about six or seven, quickly check the stuff. If there's, if there's urgent stuff, we have to deal with it. It takes you maybe 20 or 30 minutes and, you, and you're on your way. But it's also not that it's not that happening every day. So yeah, I think we also with all the years that we've been doing it, uh, we've learned how to manage things. Like we've got certain 
uh, leeways and rules in place, for instance, for the, the guys that manage the properties for us. Any maintenance that needs to be done up to this amount, you don't even phone me. I trust you and you trust me that I will make sure that there's a budget for you. So you, you learn to manage things differently. You don't uh, uh, manage every little detail. Mm-hmm. You learn how to look at it a little bit differently. So it, it, it doesn't feel for us like we've got, let's say, an eight-hour day job. But it is important, whatever you do, and if you, if you, and this is just a, it's just a suggestion, people. If you want to travel longer term, take your time, go slow, grow it over three, four, five, six years. Make sure the income is there. Make sure you understand the business. Then start traveling. I know the instant gratification thing is is really the the, the social media thing is 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 clouding people's judgment on that. But it it can happen. It is possible. Grow grow a business that you know is something that you are not reliant on. Social media you're reliant on. You cannot sell it as a business. You cannot sell your channel. Other other products or businesses or ideas, or if you're a graphic designer or if you're an um, IT specialist that, that can work on like, like this this friend of us, an architect that, that's working remotely, they can grow businesses in over time, save up enough money, and then go do it and not be reliant that the, the income needs to be happening every single day. I mean, when we sit, when we rent the Airbnb for a week, we work our asses off every day, single, get the stuff done, make sure that even work in advance, that, that when we're gone again, um, we don't need to work yeah, every work single hard, day. Work hard, play harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just mentioned, Magnus, you said something about you don't buy SIM cards. You don't buy SIM cards at all? And is that because Wi-Fi is so abundant? Yes. Well, two reasons. Yes, Wi-Fi has become abundant enough for us that we... That we can get if I really need if I really need Wi-Fi, I can I can find it somewhere. Um, it's not that it's abundant that that much that you can find it in the middle of the desert somewhere. It's not it's not like that. But we don't one generally week, most uh, fuel stations the YPFs yeah yes, start. So yeah. so we've got this thing if we need to contact our Airbnb host when we arrive, Michnas looks at the closest YPF where we're going to be. Stop there. Tell the guy we're two minutes away and we go. So yes, we do carry a um, eSIM application, but we chose one where the data don't expire and it's not a monthly thing. So we do have backup Wi-Fi, but, but we only, only use it uh, on one phone and we only use it in case of emergency. So mm-hmm. no, our, our cost for, for communication has come down to almost nothing. But, it, but it also, if, when you have a SIM card, you're using it. You, you're using it. You start, you blow money on it. And there's no need for that. If you travel... And we've got a spot of us. So if you really get into trouble, and I mean really, then you can just press a button and because that is why the thing is there. Other than that, I, I can, we, you know, you must be able to help yourself some way. Your cell phone, and, and in most places, we really get into that kind of trouble. There's you probably won't even you. have cell phone signal to call somebody to come and help you. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the value of having a cell phone in that case, or the, or the, or the SIM card for us, is not really that, that much. But if you add up the cost for it and the fact that the, the, when you start using it, so if you have a little SIM card, you have nothing to do in the camp, so what are you going to do? Put up I, your phone and start quickly check your messages. The next moment you have to buy more money because you yeah, check more messages. I think it's, it's a, <laughs> for me, it's, it, it can become a bit of a bad habit having Wi-Fi all the time because then you don't speak to the locals. You don't ask questions. Yeah, oh, let me just Google it. Uh, I'm not going to try and understand the language. I'm just going to Google Translate quickly. Uh, you know, so... I don't know. No, you're us, not away from home. Yeah, yeah, for us it's a nice break not to have Wi-Fi yeah. all the time. Yeah. We saw mm-hmm. a guy getting on a getting on a on a boat at the glacier in um, 
in Puerto Moreno. And it was a 45-minute ride. He had his phone on with whoever was on the phone on video. And he videoed that entire 45 minutes with him and the person. And I mean, sure, if it's your mom and she's she's back home and she's sick and she wants to see it, I have no problem with that. But he got off and he still got it. But it feels to me that, that if you're not in that situation that you have to have to do it for that specific reason, that it takes away, it takes the away from your experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. look, that's just my opinion. It's a, it's a personal thing. <laughs> a lot of, maybe, maybe it's also easier for us because we are a couple traveling. Maybe if you're alone, it's a different story. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, you know, and, and obviously I, I understand, you, you know, you're giving your advice from your, your perspective, but it's interesting because you guys do so much traveling and you've been on the road for so long to, to see how you think. I, I didn't expect that you weren't carrying SIM cards, but there's also a cost to the, the spot device. You're paying a monthly or a yearly fee for that. Yeah, we pay, I think it's a yearly, a yearly fee. fee yeah. uh, but Mechnes did, he wrote an article because a lot of people and even us, we didn't understand how the spot really worked. And only once Mechnes took the time to investigate and to find out how it works, we, we realized, for instance, we did the exercise between um, the spot and uh, the Garmin inReach. And we realized that the spot can give us the same function, what we really need on the on the basic package. So for us, we deem the spot fee, the the emergency evacuation fee, and our normal health insurance as our insurance. It, it's part of the oh, package because, yeah, between that, because if you if you're a, a ninety day and less traveler, you don't always have to worry about all those costs because if you buy, for instance, in South Africa, your flight ticket with a South African credit card, you automatically get insurance for ninety days for those things. But us being out of our country for more than ninety days. We actually have to pay that. Um, so working out all, all the costs behind it, we now just deem the spot, uh, although it's a, it's a, it started out as for mom. Mom, I'm okay. Wherever I am, I can press this little button. It's actually started to become part of our, our uh, insurance plan. Yep, that makes sense. And you know, the, the thing is you're talking about being out of contact it wasn't that long ago that we didn't have cell phones and people would walk around. And if you were, you know, away, you were just away. And it's very exactly. strange how technology has made us feel like that we need to be able to answer a message within three, four minutes of it coming in. You know, it's, it's like a yes. big deal for everyone. That's one of those times where the, where the technology I think gets in our way. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same as, as you, we, we drank water out of, a, out of the tap out of our house outside. Suddenly, you get the world lulls into this thing about you have to buy bottled water. Boof. There you yeah. spend money. The same is exactly what you say about cell phones. We grew up in a, in a, in a generation not having cell phones. Yeah, if you got, don't reach a person, you, you try later. You leave a message and yeah. I don't give you the message. So, it, well, and even messages. We didn't even have yeah. message machines there at the start, right? I mean, it was very rare. Exactly. Somebody had an answering machine. There was all answering yeah. services for businesses. Yeah, or a pager. Yeah, yeah I must yeah. say, for, for when we back home, it's quite... Uh, uh, interesting when we sit with friends, uh, we we don't get phone calls any anymore because most people know we're not necessarily always reachable. So they know our main communication is email and and WhatsApp. And if we want to call, we call on WhatsApp. So we tend to fall back to what it was like having a normal phone. If you're not there, leave a message. They will get back to you. Yeah. So being back in South Africa and you see people sitting with the phone. 
100% of the time because they might get a phone call. And if that phone rings, uh, it's almost like a baby crying and the mother just shuts down and <laughs> hears nothing except the baby. People actually become like that with their phone. And it, it's actually sad to see. Yeah. And you're actually surviving like this. I mean, you, you guys are. Oh, we are. <laughs> yeah, we can do it. I mean, you can actually, that way. It, yeah, actually, it's actually quite nice. It. Yeah. And, and it is nice because you don't have to immediately act on something. We yeah. know we now know when, when somebody calls or when somebody sends a message, um, you can immediately see when it's really urgent. You have to, you know, uh, do something about it. Yeah. Or when it's, oh, it's okay, you know, get they, 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 they know it's not, it's not the end of the world to get back to them two or three hours or tomorrow, whenever the case might be. We always get back to, to it's people. It's actually quite funny how a lot of problems can be solved if people just take a deep breath because we can't get back to them. And then you look in the morning at your message and you see message deleted, message deleted. And, <laughs> and you ask the person, hey, are you okay? I see you sent me three messages. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I, I sorted it out. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the thing about being in constant contact, I have a friend that uh, is older than me by 12, 17 years, I think, but he does a lot of bushwhacking. And I've always mm. said to him, you know, you should be carrying a spot device. And he said, you know, the, the problem that he has with it is that he thinks if he carries this thing and he does check-ins for his daughter to know where he is, that the first time he forgets to check in, it's all of a sudden a problem. Whereas it's never mm. been a problem, you know, because he doesn't have a device. Yeah. So yeah. it, it can create that sort of thing. Like, you know, when you, somebody messages you and you normally answer within a minute or two and you don't, it's like, what's wrong? Where are you? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why with our sport, we send no messages to yeah. our sport, anybody to say, we've made it here, we've done it here. We don't do that. We, we've I, given the log, we, log in to one yeah. or two close family members. So if they're really worried about us, log in and see where we are. They can track you. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, pe people will know. With, in your group of friends and, and family, people people between them will quickly figure out, hey man, he, this guy doesn't speak to us the last, the last was, week. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and if you then can't get it, then they... So. And I think if, if some of our friends wake up and they didn't have a joke from, from Michnes, they'll know something is wrong. Yeah. Or, they, or they're like, gee, Christ, hopefully the guy's gone. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> don't, don't disturb him. Don't, you know, hopefully he won't come back. So, so for somebody that, that's thinking of doing a trip now and they're going to do their budget... What advice would you have? Would it, would it just be that, you know, you got to look at spending, what, 50% more than what you did before? Or, or what advice would you have for them looking at how to budget the trip to figure out what they're going to spend? You know, Jim, it's such a, a personal thing and such a wide thing to answer. So I can almost say, see where you're going to travel. Do just some broad stroke uh, investigation as to how does the, the, the country work? Uh, what would be your best uh, way to 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 uh, let's start with accommodation? Is it pro predominantly a, a country that's really geared toward camping? Is it a company a country like Peru where there is no campsites and a room is so cheap that you don't even carry your camping stuff? Or you know, so just a broad stroke planning, and then just to be aware, uh, ask ask the locals how they purchase their stuff. Uh, be careful of those tourist traps. There's, uh, like I said, there's a lot of hidden costs sometimes. You you might think, oh, this this hotel is fairly cheap. And when you arrive there, it's inside of a park and the park fees is ridiculous. So <laughs> just be aware, <laughs> aware of certain things. And, you know, fuel price. Look at the fuel price from Chile uh, versus Argentina. Argentina's fuel price is so 
affordable that if you have to do di- distances, maybe just do it on the Argentina side and not the Chile side. So it's, as I said, yeah. really personal uh, uh, what you can afford and what you want out of your trip. But No, it is definitely, yeah. I, w- I would say budget. 20, 20 to thirty five percent more, and uh, so what do they say? Plan for the plan for the worst, and yeah. or hope for the best, and plan for the worst, or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's always the, the additional cost in the past because you plan you're going to ship your bike, it's costing you thousand two hundred dollars, and your flight ticket is this, and then you have to that, and then eventually when you get your bike off in Colombia and you, you push it onto the ground, the whole exercise costs you twenty five percent more than what you actually planned because it was small hidden cost that you had to play. Now it is even more prevalent to have a buffer. Um, um, uh, backup that for that kind of situation. So um, I would I would honestly say to to be very safe and to be you know not not to get choked up about the stuff. Save save up at least a twenty or thirty thirty percent more to take with and or per month that that people and spend. don't sweat speaking to people that has already been in that country or was or is traveling there. It's like if you if you're going to come to Argentina or Chile or Patagonia. Drop us a message. We we more than uh, we don't mind sharing information because for us traveling is such a passion that we would love to help anybody. So don't feel. I think most travelers at heart don't mind sharing information. And if you're going to do this trip of a lifetime and and you aren't sure or you're not sure what to budget, just reach out to people. People generally won't won't bite. Mm. But there are the, the people do it different. I mean we. We, if people want to do a trip for, let's say, six months, it's easy. You you take as little as possible, um, camp as much possible, stay in a ditch if you have to. No. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> bath. Maybe once once every week you can no, you can gosh, do as little no. as possible. No, there's no traveling alone. So there's different ways of doing it. You can do it on the cheap. It's not, just, but, the, but the cheap is not cheap anymore. Renate and our friend start... We needed around the world in in two thousand and seven, six, eight. We did it on twenty dollars a day, yeah. twenty five dollars yeah, a day. Impossible today. It is impossible today. You feel you to fill up a, a, a motorcycle today is more than twenty five dollars. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's it's definitely. I mean, it's, yeah, things have really changed. And I think we're like I said, we're all aware of that. We're all feeling the prices increasing yeah. like crazy. You you guys are are headed up to the U.S., which is kind of interesting because we're talking about prices and how things have went up in price. You're going to be paying a lot more when you get to the U.S., oh, of course. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. No, we, uh, no, no, yeah, no. We, we already, um, I mean, obviously for the for the first month or so, it will be working and sweating uh, physical work for a change. Uh, but after that, yes, I've in general just started looking what would be uh, better for us. Yes, more long-term travel, maybe uh, Airbnb doing outrights instead of riding as we explore. Uh, maybe even even if if the budget is that bad, heading uh, back into Mexico for a bit. Um, so yes, yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, and we'll go, we'll go back when we go back home. We'll we'll take the other two motorcycles and probably do a trip up to Namibia, yeah. a, a more of a camping type of, of um, off road trip to to Namibia. So we'll we'll switch we normally, out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we normally try and balance. If we've been in an expensive country for a few months, we make sure that the uh, months following or the the months before that we can save us uh, save a, a little bit. Wow, guys, it's been great once again to sit down and talk with you. I always feel like I'm cutting you off when we finish our conversations because I, I just want to talk more, but I'll have to wait till <laughs> next time. Thanks so much for your time. No, thank you, Joe. No, no, thanks for much for, appreciated. Yeah, thanks for reaching out to us, and it's always it's always nice chatting to you. I absolutely love it. 
was speaking with Mickness and Elsa B. Ulave from Peaky Peaky Overland while they were in Buenos Aires. Their website is peakypeakyoverland.com. Now, Mickness sent us some truly remarkable photos that we have in our show notes on our website for this episode. That's at adventureriderradio.com. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it and I, I hope you're doing some trip planning budgeting hopefully special thanks to our producer Elizabeth Martin and to you the listener thank you very much for being a part of this by listening to the show now this show is built on a model of listener support and advertising so we need your support if you're not doing it don't sit back thinking everybody else is doing it because they're not drop by the website adventureriderradio.com and click on support now in case you're not aware we do another show called adventure rider radio raw it comes out the 21st of every month and that is a roundtable talk of motorcycle travel we cover all kinds of things it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of information and it's very popular as well so you can find that anywhere you find podcasts but you can find all of this information at our website and remember that for every episode that we do of both adventure rider radio and raw we have show notes for each one of them at our website drop by have a look adventureriderradio.com now it's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can my name is jim martin thanks again for listening i'll talk to you next week This is Tim Burke, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 